0: Emanating from www.michaelnimmons.com, It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. This is Michael Eric Dyson.
1: This is Rochelle Riley, straight out of Detroit. This is Dr. Victoria Dooley at Dr. Dooley and Well
2: What up, everybody? It's your boy, comedian Jay Stevens. This is Frederick D. Haynes III.
3: I am Justin Cole, an author and anti-bullying activist.
2: I am Pam Perry. Hey everybody, this is Rochelle V Mann, CEO of Man-Made Production. This is Bree Diane, international evangelist. Hey,
1: this is Candace Pretty Strange Flips. And what's up? This is Ty Scott King.
2: I was Craig and what's cracking Planet Earth? It's your boy Griff, comedian, author, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, philanthropist, but a Jesus Christ. Lover. You understand me? And you're listening to Thinking Out Loud Radio with my homeboy, Michael Nemes. Check him out right here. Go ahead, Mike. Give him that good, good.
3: I want you to give a warm, Thinking Out Loud Radio show welcome to Emmy Award winning WXYZ Channel 7 anchor woman and new friend of the show, Miss Carolyn Clifford.
1: Well, thank you, Michael, and what a nice
2: introduction. So happy to be here. You know what I've got to do. i got to check out my man, Michael Nimmons, who is handling his business as he drops that knowledge. I like that because Frederick Douglass, for whom I'm named, says that knowledge unfits us for slavery. Truth sets us free. If you want to be free, you want to be like Mike. Check out the best radio show online. You're
1: locked in right now to our listening. You're tuned into the and without thinking about it. Guess what? I'm thinking out loud right here on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And if you want to stay in the
4: know, you better be listening to Thinking Out Loud radio show. you
0: listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Check out
2: Thinking Out Loud. Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. (laughs) Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Don't you
0: dare touch that dial.
1: The Thinking Out Loud Radio Show with Michael Nimmin.
0: Featuring author, motivational speaker, and minister Michael Nimmin's.
3: Right now, this is uncharted territory, but remember, God is still in control. I'm radio host Michael Nemes with a word of encouragement just for you. We're going to get through this together. Let's remember those who are on the front lines tackling this virus head on. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. You are the real heroes. And to those who have lost loved ones because of the virus, we are still yet praying for you who tested positive for the virus, this is not your end, you are going to get through this, we are going to get through this, let's do what we can to stay positive, stay connected, stay home, stay healthy, and most importantly, stay safe. An important
0: message from the Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you.
3: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show, and I'm your host, author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nemons and you're tuned in to the show that's giving voice to issues that matter to you. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. I want to first start off by saying happy Easter to everyone, hope you enjoy yourselves. We celebrated Easter just a couple days ago, and of course, it wasn't uh, the normal, uh, traditional way, we celebrate Easter being in uh, service wearing our Easter clothes our, you know, our our pastel colors and uh, you know, because this is spring and of course, uh, you know, everyone typically dresses up for Easter uh, but we were not uh, in service uh, in in the houses of worship across the country and the world uh, on Easter As we normally do, but uh, we were watching uh, Easter services virtually uh, on our televisions and through social media apparatuses. uh, many of us were uh, enjoying Easter that way, but I hope you enjoyed it just the same. Certainly, I thank you so much for taking the time out today to tune in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Hope everybody is doing well. I know I am uh, taking some time to enjoy uh, this this uh, time of quarantine, finding ways, creative ways of enjoying ourselves during this time of quarantine, one of which is doing uh, this show uh, uh, it's a way for us to uh, express our creativity as well as connect with you, the listeners of Thinking Out Loud radio show. And we thank you so much again for tuning in to tonight's show. We didn't do a show last week. We apologize for that. Uh, but we are back uh, this week with a brand new show. Uh, we thank you again for tuning into that, uh, into tonight's show. We've got a lot of great things to talk about and discuss. Hope you will uh, tune in and enjoy Uh, The show in its entirety A lot of things to talk about And to discuss Um We're also thinking about doing a live show very soon. That's right. Uh, Doing a live show on Blog Talk Radio and simulcasting it both on Facebook and even through our website. So, guys, we're we're hoping to be doing something like that very, very soon. You'll be uh, hearing about uh, that and those plans. We'd love to be able to connect with you. Uh, Via social media, you'll be able to call into the show, uh, ask questions and make comments regarding whatever topics we decide to discuss during that show. But we're going to uh, look to do something like that very, very soon. We'll keep you posted on when that's going to happen. But as regards to what we'll be talking about and discussing in tonight's show, uh, the first segment, we're going to be dealing with uh, a town hall that uh, rap mogul P. Diddy put together called the State of Emergency Town Hall. Uh, uh, This was a live uh, stream on Revolt TV as well as on YouTube. Where we, where he talked about uh, the racial disparities and equities that have been revealed because of this COVID nineteen virus um, that has, um, you know, uh, thoroughly impacted the African American African American community almost disproportionately. So, uh, you know, uh, during these. Uh, few months that we have been um, quarantined and uh, this stay stay at home order has been enforced. And so we're going to be talking about that in the first segment, sharing with you some clips from that. We also have the full uh, video footage of that town hall posted on our Thinking Out Loud Facebook fan page. You can take some time and view that. A very informative um, uh, discussion uh, that was had And we'll be getting into more of that in the first segment of tonight's show. And in the third segment of tonight's show, we deal with the question, how... Uh, did churches around the world celebrate Passion Week and Easter during this global pandemic. Of course, uh, churches were not able to have in-person services around the world uh, because of the COVID-19 global pandemic. Uh, but uh, you as well as I and many others were uh, watching uh, Easter celebrations on television and through social media. And uh, we're going to talk about that and how this COVID-19 COVID 19 pandemic has uh, caused uh, churches to actually think creatively and outside of the box when it comes to ministry. I can't wait to get into that in the third segment of tonight's show. We have a dynamic thought of the week in store for you entitled Will Rise Up. As such is the theme of tonight's show and also in the spirit of the theme of Easter and Resurrection Sunday. I can't wait to share this dynamic thought of the week with you. When we come back from our first break, we get getting right into our discussion of P. Diddy's Town Hall, State of an Emergency, discussing the racial inequities and disparities that exist in the African-American community when it comes to this COVID-19 global pandemic. You don't want to go anywhere, guys. You're tuned in to one of the hottest radio shows online. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back.
0: You're tuned in. The Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you.
4: Hi, my name is Maya and you're listening to the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. With radio show host and my daddy Michael
0: Nimmons, <laughs> you better listen to that little girl.
1: Vision should be the next book you purchase, written by radio host and minister Michael Nimmons. Vision is an insightful, thought-provoking book that is also a helpful tool in getting you to see your life through God's eyes. Vision Vision. Endorsed by best-selling authors Dr. Eddie Connor and Kim Brooks and mega pastor Bishop Charles H. Ellis III, Vision is a life-changing book that you need in your personal library. Get your copy today. Available everywhere books are sold online or at michaellemmons.com. Get your copy today. Vision Vision
5: A new choir,
6: and you're,
1: you're
0: listening to the Zingin' Out Loud Radio Show. Zingin' Out Loud Radio Show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Giving voice to issues that matter to you.
2: Don't, 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 don't touch that dial. It's the thinking out loud radio
0: show. We'll be right back.
1: But i tell you, one person who knows how to connect community and the federal government uh, is the next person we're going to hear from, the the also legendary, so-called AOC, i like to call her Congresswoman, uh, Alexandria Uh, Ocasio-Cortez. How how are you feeling about the situation that we're in? What can we do?
4: Thank you so much, Van, and and thank you, Diddy, also, um, because, you know, something that you said in the very beginning of this is, that you're branching out and doing something that you've never done before. And that's really what this moment calls upon all of us to do. We all have to do more than we have ever done before. And all of us have the power to do that. And whether you're know, whether you a celebrity or whether you're an everyday person, we all have the power to convene. And we all have the power to convene our family, our community, or, or even around policy, and that's really what we need to do right now. Just over the weekend, um, you know, I started sounding the alarm because my district, New York 14, is the most heavily impacted district in the country. Out of the top 10 zip codes in the United States most heavily hit by Corona, five of them are in my congressional district, and including the number one district, the uh, number one neighborhood, which is Corona Fleet. We started seeing this, and I was out in the streets, I was out with people, and I was seeing firsthand that this is disproportionately having an enormous impact on the black community and black and brown communities overall. Rikers Island is also in my district, and this is what we're starting to see in the intersections um, of, of what this crisis really means. Because, you know, when, when I first started sounding the alarm on this, people said, You know, a virus can't be racist. Well, no, biologically, a virus can't be racist, but our policies can be racist. We have, there's a a history of racist uh, policies, and just like we saw with Katrina, just like we saw with Hurricane Maria, when a natural disaster comes in, or when a virus or pandemic comes into a community that's already been weakened and ravaged by policies like mass incarceration, redlining, the war on drugs, um, the uh, you know uh, police violence, etc this really creates an added issues. In addition to that we have issues like environmental racism where black and brown communities are treated as a dumping yard. As, um, as as a place for people to pollute. The South Bronx already has one of the highest asthma rates in the country because we decide that those are communities where it's okay for trucks to put smog, for factories to put out waste. We saw this in Flint, we see it in Baltimore, we see it in lead levels in our water. And these all contribute to pre-existing conditions, structural racism is a pre-existing condition, and so from that, now we're seeing that the highest mortality rates uh, in this, you know, the highest concentrations are in Queens, in historically black neighborhoods like East Elmhurst, like Corona, where Louis Armstrong wrote "It's a Wonderful World" about Corona, Queens, and we also, and we're seeing the highest mortality rates in the South Bronx. So it's it's no coincidence, but it's up to us to connect the dots, because when we try to pursue race blind policy, what we're doing is that we're, we're pursuing an advancing policy that denies the impact of racism in this country, which means it does not solve our problem. Um,
7: slogan: no one will save us but us, and we are going to have to do what we need to do yes we're gonna spend easter at home we need to really get into our family and create a bond that we are going to be the part that brings what is needed in our neighborhood to look out for the elderly that has no one to get the groceries now to deal with the lack of health care to prepare for mail-in voting because we need to put people in power like AOC is saying that will not have our communities rendered this way. We need to not look for Trump or anybody else to do this for us. Movement starts from the bottom up, not from the top down. We are in a disaster and we must solve the disaster ourselves because nobody's going to care about coming to get us. We are the ones that have to come and get us. This is Good Friday in a few minutes. This We are in the midst of a crucifixion, but there will be a resurrection if That's we right. rise up and do what has to be done. And I believe that we have the strength to do it. If we could survive chattel slavery, if we can yeah. survive Jim Crow, we can survive yeah. this pandemic if we're determined to do it.
3: We are back on this edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And as I said before the break, we're going to be uh, talking about the state of emergency town hall that uh, P. Diddy, rap mogul P. Diddy put together on Thursday evening at 11 p.m. on Revolt TV and streamed it live on YouTube as well. Very informative uh, uh, town hall that was put together. Uh, and had uh, a number of social activists on this panel, Uh, Sean P. Diddy Combs uh, being one of them, uh, political commentator and social activist Van Jones. He and Sean P. Diddy Combs uh, facilitated or moderated this uh, this. This town hall You had Reverend Al Sharpton on Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez Political commentator Angela Rye uh, Political commentator Charles Blow Congresswoman Ayanna Pressley Hip-hop artist Killer Mike and Meek Mills As well as a few others I believe it was also Louisiana Mayor Uh Uh, her name escapes me at the moment but she was on uh, this uh, informative town hall uh, on Thursday uh, evening at 11 p.m. and we played a little bit of that clip uh, to open this segment. The full video is available on our Thinking Out Loud Facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash Thinking Out Loud radio show and we encourage you uh, to view the entire uh, uh, entire town hall because again it was very informative and it talked about the racial disparities that exist in the black community and of course Reverend Al Sharpton brought this out that these racial disparities uh, existed well before the coronavirus uh, pandemic but this uh, pandemic just revealed that and shed more light on those racial disparities but you know those of us who um uh, have been able to follow the governor's orders and self-quarantine in a, in our homes with the space to do so. Uh, we sometimes, as I was watching this uh, town hall, we take for granted, uh, not consider those in other lesser socioeconomic economic situations and backgrounds. And you know, I, I thought about that um, and 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 why this town hall was so important because you have individuals that are poor, indigent, and displaced that are not able to, to quarantine themselves like uh, those that have the ability to you know be in a home and be away uh, be separate socially distant and uh, from this themselves from from uh, those that they live with uh, you know but they live in um, uh, in 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 areas where uh, they're more confined and more uh, compartmentalized and smaller and, you know, individuals are really on top of one another. And when you think about that, uh, you know, the prison population is another one of those uh, places where it's hard to quarantine uh, the prison population, uh, but they are basically separated from society as it is. But then now we're talking about separating them even more so, uh, and and so uh, this particular town hall uh, talked about how difficult it is and has been uh, to uh, self-isolate uh, prisoners uh, that are, are currently um, a part of this 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 global. Uh, COVID-19 pandemic you know uh, the way we treat them in many instances is out of sight out of mind but they are uh, a part of this as well uh, their their lives matter as well and so they talked about uh, these individuals and how it's important that we find solutions and, and find ways uh, to even release those that have been incarcerated for nonviolent crimes and put on give them tethers so that they're able to, um, you know, be released from prison and be quarantined in their homes uh, like we are. And then once this global pandemic is behind us, they can be they can return to prison and, and and then serve out the remainder of their prison sentence. And so that was talked about during the town hall and also even those who've been laid off because of the virus and and how African-Americans have been disproportionately uh, affected, not just by. Uh, the impact of the virus and the deaths but also by uh, those layoffs and not having the uh, the opportunity to work remotely or work from home uh, they're in service industries where restaurants have closed because of the virus or uh, they work in industries where they're serving the public and hotels and things of that nature are not able to accommodate uh, you know those individuals during this crisis and for that matter, they've been laid off and now uh, they're uh, forced to file for unemployment and they are, um, you know, in line like many uh, individuals who are waiting uh, to get some type of economic relief and and, uh, and stimulus during this time of crisis. And so this is where we are. And I, I brought that to mention, brought that to bear because for those uh, of us who are, you know, blessed to be able to quarantine ourselves and in, in homes that have the space to do so, um, we tend to forget those individuals who are not able to, the those who are um, in lesser socioeconomic situations. And I, I certainly believe that um, that we all need to um, be treated equally and fairly uh, when it comes to, um, you know, this COVID-19 virus. And I applaud the efforts of uh, people like Van Jones, who are shedding light on the structural racial inequalities and inequities that exist within our community uh, that were brought to bear, because of this COVID-19 virus, and uh, you know what will ultimately be the question that I asked while I was listening to this this um, this forum is what will ultimately be the deciding factor that brings an end to this period of quarantine. Uh, Political commentator Charles Blow kind of alluded to uh, the fact that, you know, talking about a similar situation with the HIV epidemic and how when it was first introduced, it was uh, pretty much a white celebrity type of uh, 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 disease or virus. Uh, and, And so... A great deal of attention was put on it when it first was introduced. And, and you know, now that it is not just limited to, you know, white celebrities, uh, rock stars and uh, those who have a, a rich background. But, uh, you know, pretty much now anyone can uh, contract the HIV virus. uh it has now um, become uh, less of a, um, a, a less of a concern, um, and you know, and, and now that it's become even more prevalent in the black community, it has become even more of a less concern uh, to the national conversation about uh, you know finding a cure for HIV. And so uh, he brought that up. Uh, to to kind of juxtapose the COVID nineteen virus to uh, you know what happened with HIV and how. This could very well be the fate of many African-Americans once uh, this pandemic is behind us and what will ultimately be the deciding factor that everyone, you know, overall, we see the numbers decline uh, universally or we see the numbers decline in a particular demographic. Uh, and there those numbers are used to actually gauge uh, what the health of the entire country or the world is doing or is concerned and then uh, you know unfortunately everyone else who does not fall within those uh, parameters are left to kind of fend for themselves and and I thought that that that's a very interesting scenario that could very well play out because of uh, you know the economic, uh, socio-economic inequities that uh, already exist in our community. And so uh, it it was very interesting uh, to talk about and to have that that kind of discussion. And again, I applaud uh, P. Diddy. Shouts out to him, to uh, Angela Rye, to uh, Congressman uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, to Reverend Al Sharpton, uh, to um, Congresswoman Ayanna Presley and others who are uh, taking the time to, you know, advocate for. Um, uh, you know, more testing in the African-American community for COVID-19, uh, for, you know, more uh, protective uh, gear uh, for frontline workers that are African-American, as well as those uh, who are not, uh, you know, in the thick of things, that that uh, they get those types of uh Uh, PPEs, as they're called, uh, to help them get through uh, this COVID 19 pandemic as well. You know, we we, we need to have these kinds of conversations because we could easily be overlooked. We could easily be, um, you know, uh, taken for granted, or we could easily be uh, just completely uh, pushed aside, and that should not be the case. And I applaud Governor Whitmer of the state of Michigan uh, for her not, for, for not only her efforts in trying to prevent the spread of the virus within the state, but also creating a task force to directly address some of the racial disparities that have been uncovered because of the COVID-19 virus. Uh, she, in doing so, has appointed Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist as the leader of this task force and he's recently been on the news uh, talking about the purpose of uh, this, this team, the object- objectives of this team that he's heading up. And I want you to take a listen uh, to what he had to say.
5: Well,
7: Rick, it's critical. I mean, uh, black people make up 14% of the population in the state of Michigan, but we make up 40% of the COVID-19 deaths. This is something that has proven particularly lethal in communities of color across the state of Michigan and frankly, across the country. And that's why we have to look into this. Um, I felt this personally. Um, uh, 15 of my uh, people in my life have passed away from COVID-19. I have several other extended family members and friends who are either hospitalized or have tested positive. And this is hitting home for more and more people in our state.
3: Again, I'm so uh, very uh, thankful for uh, individuals like Governor Whitmore and Lieutenant Governor Gilcrest and political commentators uh, Van Jones and uh, those of their ilk that are continuing to shed light on uh, these issues that are affecting the black community. We've got to remain diligent and vigilant in our efforts to shed light on these racial disparities. Uh, that's why, uh, Dr. King marched. That's why the black lives movement came into play. That's why we still have to continue speaking truth to power so that those in power are continually reminded that as far as we've come as a nation, we still have a long ways to go. Uh, and I, I continue uh, to say that and it continues to be something that uh, needs to be discussed and needs to be addressed. Um, And, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm one that doesn't always want to make things about race, but I think in, in situations like these, we need to highlight what's going on in our community, because if we don't do it, then who's going to do it? If we don't take the time uh, to uh, speak truth to power, if we don't, as many of the speakers during the town hall said, if we don't take care of ourselves, if we don't take care of one another, then who will? We cannot depend on the federal government. They have proven that they are only taking care of themselves. They're only going to look out for a certain segment and demographic of the community. So we have to do what we believe is necessary for ourselves to take care of our community. And I think that is so appropriate and so apropos of those speakers during that town hall to say as much. Um, And it's not speaking selfishly, but it's really, again, speaking truth to power. We have to do what it takes to uh, preserve and uh, sustain our own community because we cannot depend on someone else to do that job for us. We've got to do it for ourselves. I would love to get your thoughts and your feedback on this town hall. Again, you can watch this full video on our Thinking Out Loud Facebook fan page. We encourage you to do so. A lot of great points were made during that uh, that formative town hall. The State of Emergency Town Hall, hosted by P. Diddy and moderated by him, as well as political commentator Van Jones. Take the time to view that, and again, we need to uh, start to think about what we need to do as a community to take care of ourselves during this global pandemic. I'd love to get your thoughts and feedback on this. Well, when we come back from our next break, we're getting into talking about Bernie Sanders dropping out of the Democratic presidential race and former Vice President Joe Biden becoming the presumptive nominee and what all that means for us don't you go anywhere you're tuned in to the thinking out loud radio show we'll be right back
1: you're listening to the thinking out loud radio show with pastor michael nimmons don't you dare touch that dial
3: Stephanie D. Sanders, award-winning singer, songwriter, author, voiceover artist, and more. Heard on shows like the Time the Morning Show and the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Book Stephanie D. Sanders to voice over your podcast or radio intros or commercials. Do yourself a favor and visit stephaniedsanders.com and upgrade your podcast or radio show by booking Stephanie D. Sanders. You'll definitely be glad that you did.
0: All-Pro Football Player Derek Mason on Jay-Z in the NFL.
2: Jay-Z said, you know, we're past milling. Because, so Jay-Z, you may be past milling, but the guys that are still milling, the guys that are still fighting for injustice, they're not past milling. Everybody's screaming that, oh, Jay-Z's at the table now. We should be happy that one of us is at the table. Just because you're at the table doesn't mean we all eat the same.
0: poet and lyricist ty scott king on the culture of chh my brain
1: is overloaded like i think a lot of people are like man there's not really many people doing this there are thousands of very amazing artists that are doing christian hip hop I think about Aaron Cole, I think about Stephen Malcolm, who is there's someone that could hear an interview and be like, I want to work with him, like he would be a person that I, I would love to work with. He's just a phenomenal rapper, just really creative. Wande, she's another one that, uh, another artist that I had on my radio show. She is, um, Day is maybe in her early 20s, she's doing a lot of stuff now with Reach Records and just... Really different. Really um, going against
0: the grain. Griff from Get Up Mornings with Erica Campbell on what he does besides comedy.
2: Yeah, yeah. Comedy is always my first, my first job. Radio is my side job. But I just um, got a nonprofit. I've been working with other people's nonprofits for the last thirty years, um, and I just created my own nonprofit, five hundred one C three, called the Process Success Foundation to deal with leadership. And basically, I'm just going to take a bunch of young men on field trips all around the world. And I can show you how during the NHL season that all basketball stadiums have ice on them with the hardwood over the ice. Once I show you those processes, then I can teach you the process of forgiveness. I can teach you the process of love. I can teach you the process of being grateful.
0: We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show.
8: You send me to the I wish I could give you better news, but I think you know the truth. And that is that we are now some 300 delegates behind Vice President Biden, and the path toward victory is virtually impossible. So while we are winning the ideological battle, And while we are winning the support of so many young people and working people throughout the country, I have concluded that this battle for the Democratic nomination will not be successful. And so today, I am announcing the suspension of my campaign. Please know that I do not make this decision lightly. In fact, it has been a very difficult and painful decision. Over the past few weeks, Jane and I in consultation with top staff and many of our prominent supporters, have made an honest assessment of the prospects for victory. If I believed we had a feasible path to the nomination, I would certainly continue the campaign. But it's just not there. I know that there may be some in our movement who disagree with this decision, who would like us to fight on to the last ballot test at the Democratic Convention. I understand that position. But as I see the crisis gripping the nation, exacerbated by a president unwilling or unable to provide any kind of credible leadership and the work that needs to be done to protect people in this most desperate hour, I cannot in good conscience continue to mount a campaign that cannot win and which would interfere with the important work required of all of us in this difficult hour.
6: Well, here today, my good friend, and he is a friend, Bernie Sanders announced he was suspending his campaign. Bernie's always been a passionate voice for progress, and he put his heart and soul not only into running for president, but also the causes and issues he has been dedicated to his whole life. He's inspired and energized millions of supporters, especially young voters, to join him in championing a progressive vision for our country. And uh, he didn't just run a political campaign, he created a movement. And that's a good thing for the nation and for our future. While Bernie's campaign has ended, I know his leadership's gonna continue, including working to address the incredible challenges we're now facing, the ones that are facing this nation under this president. My heart goes out to everyone out there suffering from COVID-19. Yeah, we all know the greatest tragedy in all of this is how many lives are being lost. How many are infected and suffering alone? I mean, we have friends who are not able to see their their, their one friend, the mother was dying of another illness of cancer and she's in the hospital, but she couldn't go and see her. They had to put a phone up to her ear. So, so hard for so many people. And this is gonna continue to be a very hard week for our country. This disease is not only tearing through the nation, it's devastating families. It's wrecking the economy. And we're starting to see those, uh, see it magnify some of our worst systemic inequities. You know, early data shows countries and counties in this country have uh, major black populations and Hispanic populations. The coronavirus infection rates in the black communities are three times as high as they are in white majority resident communities. Death rates, nearly six times higher. That's unconscionable and never should happen. We need more data and we also need more data on how the Latino and other communities of color are impacted, other minority communities. So we know exactly what has to be done. Black Americans are still less likely to be insured as are Latinos, less likely to have access to health care, less likely to have head treatment for underlying conditions like asthma and, uh, and diabetes, uh, to make, more, make them more vulnerable to this virus today. And they're more likely to face exposure to pollutants than anyone else associated with the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, and their death rates are higher. Black are also less likely to have a job they can do just from home, like many Latinos in America. They're more likely to have to choose between their health and their health care and their paycheck. This virus is shedding light on the structural racism that still exists and plagues our laws, our institutions, and our culture.
3: We are back, and uh, we're going to be continuing our discussion of the coronavirus and how it has impacted just about every segment of our, uh, not just our country, but the world. And uh, in our last segment, we talked about uh, the state of emergency uh, town hall that Sean P. Diddy Combs uh, put together on Revolt TV. Again, you can watch that entire video. It's posted on our Thinking Out Loud Facebook Facebook page. We encourage you to take a look at it and to also let us know what your thoughts are about that as well. Uh, But in our next segment, the segment that we're in right now, we're going to be talking about uh, Senator Bernie Sanders dropping out of the presidential race uh, and former Vice President Joe Biden becoming the presumptive Democratic nominee. And what does that mean for us? uh, And what should we expect to see happen within the next few months leading up to the November election. A lot of things going on with regards to that that we want to discuss. Of course, um, you know, Bernie Sanders dropping out of the race was something that many of us expected to happen um, very soon. He did not have a path to the nomination um, because Sen- uh, former Vice President Joe Biden had won the um, You know, in those uh, subsequent primaries, in an overwhelming fashion, Michigan uh, state, the state of Michigan, being one of his more pivotal wins, uh, and um, it really set the path for uh, him to become the presumptive Democratic nominee. And so we were just not just waiting on not if, but when uh, the announcement would be made from Senator Bernie Sanders that he would be dropping out of the race, despite what he had said previously about um, going all the way to the convention and uh, and basically letting the elect uh, the electors uh, decide, you know, at that point who they were going to stand with as the nominee for the Democratic Party. Uh, But we see uh, just a couple days ago, Bernie Sanders dropped out of the race for president, and he made his announcement to his supporters. We played a little bit of that to open the segment, as well as uh, former Vice President Biden's remarks as he becomes the presumptive Democratic nominee for the presidency of the United States. And we want to talk about in this segment what does that mean for uh, us as Democrats uh, and even as Republicans leading up to. The uh, November election in uh, uh, in just a few months. Um, what are some of the things that we uh, should look forward to seeing happening, happening, unfold, seeing, seeing unfold rather as we, um, you know, move into this, uh, the move into the general election? Uh, the former vice president, of course, can now work toward bringing the party together and spend this time selecting a vice president. And, of course, and more importantly, expanding the narrative that he would be a better president than, as Congresswoman Ayanna Presley calls him, the current occupant of the White House. Um, this is a narrative that we all are uh, familiar with. Many of the candidates prior, uh, before uh, have been using this, uh, using their presidential platform uh, to talk about how much better of a president they would be. And we certainly agree uh, that that would be the case. And, of course, Joe Biden is someone that has sat in that seat or closest to that, the closest to the person that sat in that seat uh, in the person of President Barack Obama serving as his vice president. And. In- Seeing firsthand uh, some of the things that happened in this nation, sitting closest to the man who had his uh, who made the decisions uh, for our country, and um, and so you know I, I just think that it's better to have someone who uh, has you know been there done that versus someone who would talk who is still talking about what they would do if. You know, they were in this situation, of course, you know, both Joe Biden and Senator and and Senator Bernie Sanders were not president or not been president. But of the two, the one that has been closest to the one that served as president in this particular case is Vice President Joe Biden. And, you know, we want to start first talking about how can Vice President Joe Biden bring the Democratic Party together because this party has been fragmented. Some have said that um, that because of. You know, the impeachment because of the investigations that have taken place throughout the three and a half years that Trump has been president, Um, it has divided the party and not brought the party together. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that because I think that, um, you know, Speaker Pelosi, uh, for the most part has done what she thought was best for the democratic party being the face of the democratic party in the, in Congress. And, uh, and, and I think she, she did what she thought was the best uh, thing to do presiding over uh, the uh, the the house and 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 the matters of the house, and I think that uh, the the Mueller investigation, as well as the impeachment of President Donald Trump, were done in the best interests of this country. Even though the outcome was not might not have been what we all were looking for, I still say that. Senator or uh, well, Congressman Pelosi did what she could uh, in that regard. So I'm not placing blame on her for the outcome, but I believe that she did what she could and what she thought was best. Um, and and so um, that being said, you you need the party needs a candidate that's going to be able to bring the Demi- democratic party together and i don't i can't think of any better person at this particular time than Uh, Vice President Joe Biden. Of course, he has his strengths and he has his weaknesses. Um, I think uh, his strengths being someone that has been there, done that, someone that is set in the seat closest to the president, that gives us some confidence that he's seen how to handle things. He knows what it takes to be president. And um, that's the kind of stability that we need in the White House versus someone uh, who is only talking about what they would do if they were in that seat and um And especially someone who uh, the current occupant of the White House, who even though he is sitting in that seat, he is not qualified to do so. Um, But we need someone like Joe Biden, who I think can bring the Democratic Party together. One of the first things I think he needs to do is to incorporate and integrate some of the ideals from his biggest opponents during the presidential primary, namely Senator Bernie Sanders and Senator Elizabeth Warren, of course, their mantras during the campaign were universal health care and free education for all, free college education for all. Now, those two are are really big ideas that uh, progressives have had in the past and have had during this presidential cycle. Uh, I don't believe that they were they're realistic in the sense that. Uh, They can actually be policies that are paid for and approved by. Um, they're the other side of the aisle, those Republican colleagues that Democrats would have to work with in order to get those types of legislations passed. Um, former Vice President Joe Biden is considered a moderate, someone who is smack dab in the middle of where most of the Democratic Party constituents are. Most, most Democratic constituents are moderate when, they, when it comes to health care and college education and the economy. Um, they're their um you know, they're thinking more realistically uh, and I'm not saying that universal health care and free education is not realistic goals of our, uh, and not should be realistic goals for our party, but what I am saying is that when it comes to policies that can actually be um, of real legislation, translate into real legislation and, and, and be paid for by our tax dollars, I just don't, I just don't think that uh, we are there yet as a country and um, Senator Bernie Sanders uh, he is considered to be a progressive socialist and Elizabeth Warren a progressive uh, in the purest sense uh, I don't think that First of all, I don't think Senator Bernie Sanders is someone that has proven to be uh, a Democrat that Republicans can work with. I think he, he just seems to be someone that um, will force force his way or at least try to force his his ideals and his policies uh, and his agenda on uh, the Republicans, whether they want to agree with it or not, which will not make him uh, someone that Republicans... Republicans will want to work with in order to, um, you know, get these policies on board. He just doesn't seem like someone that's willing to cross the aisles like Joe Biden has proven uh, to do so in the past. Him being a friend of um, uh, uh, um, Senator John McCain, um, the the, the former Senator John McCain, who, who passed a little while ago, uh, he and Joe Biden worked together on on legislation in the past and have proven uh, to work across the aisles with other senators from his Republican colleagues to get legislation passed. And so um, that's, that being said, Bernie Sanders just did not seem to be someone that Republicans are willing to work with. and uh, And he even became somewhat of a... Uh, liability even to his own party because he was talking so negatively about his other Democratic counterparts that almost made him appear to be on an island all by himself and he even his, him and his supporters were separated from the Democratic Party, which I thought that would be problematic but again, which I, which I also believe is very small on the part of Vice President Joe Biden to start to talk about how to bring everybody together. He did that. He started talking about that even before this town hall uh, that he had recently talking about Um, his plans as a presumptive Democratic nominee uh, that that now um, it's time for us to come together. It's time for us to coalesce our efforts around uh, the the idea of him becoming the, uh, the the nominee and for us to ultimately beat Donald Trump in November and uh, to put all of the the political ideologies aside put all of our differences aside and try to work together and um, you can hear that in his dialect you can hear that in his vernacular and I think that's so very important of course one of his weaknesses, is at times um you know he's made some political gaffes he's made some some gaffes in the mic said some things that m- might have come off off color uh and even um you know uh out of space sometimes he he sometimes he comes off as uh you know, not really knowing what to say or the right things to say. And that might prove to be uh, detrimental for him in the long run. But I think uh, in the short term, uh, he is definitely someone that we can coalesce around. And in the long term, the long run, I think that's something that his his um, campaign, his team will have to work with him on um, making sure he keeps his message focused on the task at hand, bringing the Democratic Party together and uh, to continue to uh, to propagate the narrative that he would be the better president in times like these, the times that we are currently in. Um So that is what I think he should be doing first and foremost, trying to do what he can to bring the Democratic Party together. Secondly, uh, I think that... um he needs to be taking this time to select a vice president. He's already said that he's going to select a woman, which I think is uh, remarkable because we've never had uh, a woman vice president, let alone a woman president. And certainly this will be a great, uh, Campaign point for the Democratic Party to have its first vice president, uh, uh, first female vice president, and uh, and then, of course, it will be even greater in my mind and in my opinion, if it were an African American woman as well. Um, you have you have uh, you know Senator Kamala Harris uh, as one of those possible uh, potential running mates, Senator Amy Klobuchar, uh, who is a former presidential candidate. Uh, We also, some have said Governor Gretchen Whitmore could possibly be uh, a candidate as well. Uh, Stacey Abrams, uh, who is another uh, a great um, potential vice presidential candidate. Uh, according to an article put together on CNN, there are several other female uh, females that could possibly be potential candidates. Senator Elizabeth Warren being one of those Um And uh, Maggie Hassan and Jean Shaheen uh, being uh, uh, possible candidates as well. Two New Hampshire Democratic senators were among women that Biden mentioned in November as potential running mates. They're both seen as long shot picks. Neither has the name recognition of other possible candidates on the list that CNN has put out. Sally Yates being another one of those, uh, the deputy attorney general under former vice former president. Barack Obama uh, was mentioned in the list of candidates. Biden said he would consider referring to her as a former assistant attorney general who got fired and um, and then last on CNN's list is former first lady Michelle Obama and they wrote to be clear this is highly unlikely but Biden at an event in Iowa earlier this year was asked by a voter if he would nominate Obama to the Supreme Court uh, he said yes but that he likely wouldn't want it President Obama that being the one that, they, uh, that he was referring to the voter asked the question is the question is, which Obama? Uh, well, I, I sure wish Michelle would be the vice president, Biden replied with a smile. The former first lady has already said repeatedly that she won't run for any office because she is not interested at all in politics. But of course, she is on CNN's list, but is considered a long shot. Of course, we all, those of us who um, were loved um, President Obama and first lady Obama, miss them uh, immensely and them not being in the white house. And certainly, um, we missed the stability, uh, in the white house, the, the white house where were, we felt were in very capable hands, uh, under the Obama administration, uh, those eight years that he was the president of the United States and she was the first lady. Uh, but you know, this is where we are with that. And so, Uh, There are a number of potential female vice presidential candidates that could possibly uh, fill those shoes, and we are certainly, um, you know, believing that uh, Senator Kamala Harris being one of those, Governor Gretchen Whitmore is certainly one, Stacey Abrams being another uh, you know, another one as well. We believe any of those three uh, would be great candidates, but I believe Governor Gretchen Whitmore has already taken her name basically out of the hat, believing that she would not be selected as a VP, uh, but I believe that Senator Kamala Harris is a strong vice presidential candidate um, that could possibly be um his um his running mate uh that will be announced in just a few weeks or maybe a, a month or so we'll see what happens but, um, you know, then the next question about what should we expect from uh, former Vice, Vice President Biden in the next few months heading up to the November election, um, you know, and the Democratic Party and, and even uh, the Republican primaries, I believe um, a good thing to do would be possibly to cancel the rest of the state primaries in lieu of the COVID-19 virus. Uh, we've seen that having still having those State primaries have put uh, citizens in grave danger because of the COVID 19 virus, uh, voting booths uh, and and in polling places, uh, you know, being having having to still go into areas uh, to vote outside of the home and outside of their that uh, their you know their areas uh, to go into and vote um, has proven to be. Uh, problematic and uh, something needs to be done because we now have a presumptive democratic nominee. I don't see the need for us to continue with state primaries, especially in lieu of the fact or in light of the fact that this COVID-19 virus is still in front of us and has not yet peaked as many experts have said thus far. So, um, you know, in the the best interest of the country, uh, I think it's best that we cancel the remaining primaries and focus our attention on trying to, um, you know... uh, Decrease the spread of this virus, as well as make plans for the November election, and we'll talk more about that part in just a few minutes. But another thing that I've heard that might happen and should happen is canceling the Democratic National Convention um, that is supposed to be coming up sometime in July, and I don't see the need for that either because again we have a presumptive Democratic nominee and former Vice President Joe Biden, so there. Really really wouldn't be a need to meet and gather, uh, to make that nomination official. I think that could be done, um, in another manner and another format. Uh, and, uh, then again, the focus could be put on, um, the, the, uh, November election and, um, any 2020, uh, presidential debates between Joe Biden and Donald Trump could be done virtually. It could be done, um, you know, with no audiences. It could be done in a just like uh, the last uh, the last debate with Bernie Sanders and Vice President Biden. Uh, They could they could both be together um, in uh, in a in a room, uh, you know, on a debate stage uh, with no audience and they could debate one another in that format and uh, so that is something I think that would need to happen of course um, when we move into uh, the presidential debates and um, then for you know the November election um, we've already started to hear uh, people like Reverend Al Sharpton uh, advocate for uh, absentee or mail in only voting and you know as much as i am opposed to that being the primary means of people voting um that might be the way to go uh but we will you know uh you know wait to see how all of this shakes out but he's one of the first to advocate for mail in only voting and i think Uh, That might um, be problematic in some instances, but um, that might be our only option. We will see. But these are some of the things that we can expect to see happen in the next few months. Uh, going into the November primary or November general election uh, coming up and so we would love to get your thoughts and feedback about that Uh, I know we uh, spent a lot of time talking about this but I think it is so very important that we understand the importance of this election and how important it is Uh, you know to get your thoughts as well as your feedback about that you can add us at TOL radio host MSN uh, add us on on Twitter and Instagram uh, on Twitter at uh, TOL Radio Show if you like to uh, to tweet us at the show's um, Twitter on the, on the show's Twitter account but again you can add us at TOL Radio Host MSN or leave us a comment on our Thinking Out Loud Facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash Thinking Out Loud Radio Show or email us at contact at michaelnemons.com a lot of ways to keep in touch with us we Would love to hear from you. Well, guys, we're going to take our next break when we come back. We're going to be talking about how did churches have their or conduct their Passion Week and Easter services in light of the fact that they could not gather in person during this COVID 19 virus. You don't want to go anywhere, guys. You're tuned in to one of the hottest radio shows online. It's the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. We'll be right back.
0: You're tuned in. To the thinking, loud, loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. You've been to issues that matter to you.
1: Listening to the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial! You send
0: in to the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked.
5: And suffering will come to your house. And the real test is, I don't need to be tested in my moment of celebration. I need to be tested in the moment of my suffering. How committed am I when the crowd is gone? How committed am I when the storms begin to rage? How committed am I in the moment of adversity? I'm so grateful to God while I appreciate all the things he's done for me. And I I am so blessed to come and stand in this church and see people all the way up to the top balcony and see them praising and magnifying God. But I want the devil to know that I'm not serving God for the crowd. That if I have to stand back in a building like I did years ago and preach. To four or five people, that God is still good. Oh, I said, He's still good. He thinks for one minute that i lose my anointing when I lose my crowd. He didn't understand where I came from. I've been through too much to get here and lose my anointing over people.
3: People didn't give it to me. And people oh, they can't take it away. So guys, we are back and um, we're going to be continuing our discussion of the COVID-19 virus and how it has impacted just about every segment of our society. Uh, we spent the first segment talking about the state of emergency, uh, town hall that rap mogul P. Diddy uh, did on Thursday at 11 p.m. Again, you can go to our Thinking Out Loud Facebook fan page to watch that uh, video. Very, very informative and powerful uh, town hall that uh, many influential African-Americans were a part of. Um, and then we also uh, spent last segment talking about uh, Bernie Sanders, Senator Bernie Sanders dropping out of the presidential race and former Vice President Joe Biden becoming the presumptive Democratic nominee. And what does that mean for us in the next few months leading up to the general election? We talked about that as well. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about uh, how did churches, you know, this being uh Passion Week and Easter, how did they handle having services uh, virtually? Uh, in this, uh, during this global pandemic, the COVID-19 virus crisis. And, um, you know, I thought it was very interesting. We opened up with a a, a very powerful clip uh, from uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes, one of the more uh, known and uh, noteworthy pastors of this country and this nation, uh, talking about the impact that it's had uh, in in his life and in his congregation, but I thought it was very important how he talked about. Um, you know how his relationship with God is bigger than his church building, that his ministry, his connection to God is much bigger than, uh, his, uh, him having a packed house, even though he appreciates those who come out, uh, to his, to his church and they feel, uh, his church each and every Sunday and each and every week. Uh, but if he had to go back to having services uh, the way he used to have them when he first started standing in an empty uh, church facility a church building uh, in order for him to get the message out about uh, Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, he would do just that and and I believe that that is a testament to um, his commitment and passion for what he does as a man of God And you know uh, I, I wanted to spend some time talking about that in this segment and how uh, I believe this COVID-19 virus has really uh, forced the church into a position to think outside of the box where before and prior to uh, many ministries had not even considered uh, the things that they're they're having to do now because they've always thought that they would be able to have in-person kinds of services Uh, but this COVID nineteen pandemic has not just been a challenge uh, for uh, parishioners, but it's been a challenge for pastors around the world. Uh, because again, it has caused them uh, to think creatively about, uh, and creatively and innovatively about their ministry. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, again, because uh, I say all the time that we are, uh, I believe more reactive than proactive as a people. Uh, We tend to be and we tend to think more reactively uh, rather than proactively when it comes to uh, the things that we should do or planning and preparing for something that may or may not happen. Um, This global pandemic was definitely not something that anybody planned for, anybody foresaw, anybody saw coming and, and, and for that matter, no one prepared for that either and sometimes in times of crisis like these you know it really takes a person with vision to be able to see beforehand that that this day could come or this day may very well come and what do you do when that time comes and um, you know this COVID-19 pandemic again has not just been a challenge for pastors as well as parishioners around the world parishioners are used to being able to attend services in person that have now had to attend services virtually through social media or through zoom or other Um, applications and pastors have to be Creative and innovative in their ministry methods because of the COVID-19 pandemic, having virtual services and taking advantage of social media and other virtual platforms to connect with their parishioners. Uh, but I want to take this time to give a shout out to a good friend of ours, uh, To those or well, first of all, to those who those ministers who were ahead of the curve when it comes to innovative ministry and the use of social media media and technology to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to shout out my good friend, Elder Mark Moore uh, and the Young Leaders Conference, or YLC as they're called, who has really become a leader in providing ministry in this digital age. You know, uh, Elder Mark Moore is someone who is innovative. He's on the cutting edge when it comes to this type of social media, when this type of um, his, in fact, the mantra of the Young Leaders Conference is ministry, marketplace, ministry and the marketplace, and um, and and it's and it just these two is a great marriage of the two because in this digital age, ministry has to become innovative. Ministry has to evolve. Uh, we've said it all the time. We've said it on this show that ministry can be innovative. Ministry has to evolve as long as the message of Jesus Christ does not change. Ministry can change and the ways and the methods that people are ministered to can change as long as the message of Jesus Christ stays the same. And he has done so in various ways, you know, with a YouTube channel, uh, the YLC TV, and he's ha- he now has a, a podcast as well. Of course, the Young Leaders Conference that takes place in August is uh, a conference that is uh, incredible. You know, it's one that is continuing to grow each and every year, and uh, he has proven to be someone that is leading the charge when it comes to innovative ministry. Shouts out to our good friend Elder Mark Moore and what he is doing in that regard and in some cases other ministers pastors are playing catch up in many ways much like those in the public and private sector who were ill prepared for a global pandemic of this magnitude but you know uh it, it, this that that if nothing else that's what this global pandemic has gotten us to the point where we are now having to think creatively and innovatively um also want to give a shout out to our pastor Bishop Charles H. Ellis III uh, who is one that is always thinking innovatively and outside of the box when it comes to ministry and is doing the same during this COVID-19 pandemic uh, broadcasting services on Fox 2 and WADL Channel 38 as well as on uh, the Word Network and on Facebook Live for his Bible classes and uh, even their uh, prayer uh, calls and so uh, we have pastors that are adapting to uh, this new normal if you want to call it that and um are embracing uh, social media, as well as some of the other mediums that are available, uh, that they, and other platforms that they are that have become available during this uh, this crisis, and uh, I just um, again applaud them for being able to think outside of the box and see the opportunities that are available and are there uh, that uh, allow us to expand our message of Jesus Christ beyond the four walls of the church. In some respects, in some instances, it has caused us to to come out of our place of complacency where some churches have been. And I mean, we we are we there's 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 um, you know, we say this all the time that we know how to have church. And and that's one thing that we we've done it so much that we can have church on autopilot, and 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 that's a dangerous that is a dangerous thing or a dangerous place to be in because even though we know how to have church, that becomes a place where we uh, ultimately take church for granted, and 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 church has become more of a routine than an actual sincere and genuine place for us to worship. God, And so maybe just maybe this pandemic has come and brought us to a point where we now have to uh, think of church in a different from a different vantage point and from a different place, which will now bring us back to a place where we are. Uh, worshiping and praising God uh, from a genuine and more sincere perspective than one where we're just coming to church out of routine and out of tradition. But I truly believe that this could be the place that we are in. And sometimes crisis brings us to the point where we have to think creatively and have to think innovatively. And again, that's not a bad thing. That's not always a bad thing, but it really uh, lets us know where we are uh, as a church and where we are uh, as a people, because, um, you know, not just because we didn't not just because we did not see a place like this, not because we didn't uh, see this this pandemic coming, but that we have kept God inside of a box that we've tried to control for so long. And now that we are in this, this new place, we have to now... Take God outside of the church, outside of the walls of the church and, and really actually see him as he truly is high and lifted up. And as Isaiah said, his train filled the temple and he is someone that should not be uh, confined to one place, but he is someone that can be worshipped and what it worship in many ways, which is what we are discovering in this global pandemic that we are. In, Um, You know, one thing the COVID-19 pandemic has forced the Christian church to do is truly think outside of the box, even though that is what many ministries say they're doing. But have they really done that? Because um, we have really been in the mindset of. Uh, anything, of, uh, anything of note that takes, play, takes place when it comes to ministry usually takes place within the side, within inside the walls of the church. We have been conditioned to think that ministry only happens inside the church building. But I heard one preacher say that real ministry doesn't take place until after the benediction. After we have left the building, uh, that is when real ministry takes place because, you know, ministry inside the church is is essentially us preaching to the choir. It's preaching to those who 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 know uh, what they should be doing, who know what the gospel message is uh, for the most part. Of course, you have those who come who are not familiar with that. But when you're preaching to those outside of the walls of the church, you're now going into the highways and the byways into the, uh, the cul-de-sacs and to the, 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 the valley areas and, and to the areas where those may not even know, uh, who Jesus Christ is. And that in my, in my mind is real ministry. God is bigger than the church building. Ministry has to reflect the personality of the God that we serve. You recall when Jesus walked the earth he ministered to the people right where they were Um, he ate with the publicans and the sinners, he spoke to tens of thousands of people before there was anything uh, as close to being social media Uh, that that idea and concept didn't come on didn't come into play centuries later and yet he was still able to get large groups of, of people together and to give them a message, And so we have platforms like Facebook Live and Instagram Live and Twitter and Periscope. And uh, we have, uh, you know, all kinds of social media platforms that we can use to reach the masses. Why not use those uh, those avenues and use those um, th- those social media platforms to do uh, what the songwriter said? If I be lifted up. Uh, I will draw all men unto me. Um, and there are some pastors that are doing that. Uh, like I said, elder Mark Moore being one of them and even, uh, someone even closer to home, uh, Reverend, uh, Solomon Kenlock of triumph church, um, who during the, this, uh, Easter Sunday, he had his services, um, in basically kind of like a drive-in format where there was a big large screen set up in a parking lot and his members were in their cars and they were able to listen and to watch uh, the the video on, on the stream uh, that was on the, the large screen in the parking lot. Now, he got some pushback uh, from, those, from those who didn't think that that was a good idea to do. And of course, uh, you'll always get that there's always seems to always be those some some individuals who, when you're trying to do something right, when you're trying to do something, um, you know, to uh, for the people of God, uh, in light of the fact that you're not able to gather according to the governor's um, orders, but. Um, everyone was in their vehicles, separated from each other by their cars, uh, in a parking lot. They didn't have to get out of their cars, from what I understood. They were basically in a drive-in type of format. Um, I really didn't see anything wrong with that, as a personal, a personal, pers- my personal perspective and view of this. Uh, it was just a way, again, for them to come together on this. Easter Sunday and uh, of course you're going to have your critics, you're going to have people that will disagree with you because of that uh, because of your innovation, because of your vision and I'm sure Reverend Kenlock was not Uh, Bothered by that, and I'm um, sure you know, I'm not that hasn't been confirmed if he's reached out to the governor to uh, beforehand to let her know of his plans or not. Um, But uh, you know, that might have happened, that might not have happened. But again, I'm sure he counted up the cost in doing so. Um, I again thought it was innovative on his part uh, to do something like that um, because uh, you know. That is just um, something that, um, uh, you know, innovation is something that we we talked about earlier, of course, and uh, it's something that, you know, ministry uh, definitely needs in the 21st century. And so. Um, that You know, you have that happening on one hand, but then you also have, uh, on the other hand, um, you know, churches. There was a couple churches, I believe, in Florida um, where pastors were having uh, gatherings in person inside the church, which I believe was definitely uh, out of line and out of order uh, as it relates to putting their congregation in harm's way um, with uh, with regards to the coronavirus virus, so you know I, I, the, I, the difference in those gatherings. I believe is with in the in the case of Pastor Solomon Kenlock, where you have people in their cars separated from each other, is much different than having a, a traditional ser- in-person church service where everyone is still in the same building, in the same facility where that virus could very well, um, you know, spread and become, uh, you know, a problem. In those services, so and uh, then again, of course, that would that's a violation of the order of the governor. So we have to remember that as well. And um, I even think it it is incumbent upon uh, pastors and leaders in the religious community uh, to keep those things in mind, you know, that we have to abide by the laws of the land and, 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 and in doing so, we are representative of, uh, the representative of what Christ would want us to be like and what would want us to do to follow the laws of the governor. Um, now when there are unjust laws, of course, um, you know, we are not, uh, obligated to follow those uh, but in this particular case because of the health risks that the COVID-19 virus posed uh, against congregants gathering together in person I think it would definitely be in the best interest of pastors and leaders uh, and uh, f- uh, across the country and the world to have those services virtually like they have done uh, over the past few weeks in light of the executive order that have been put out by governors in um, the states. So... You know, I, I, I uh, again, applaud ministers that, uh, you know, I've already thought about uh, this uh, innovation before this COVID-19 virus came upon us, uh, thinking creative to, creatively before uh, they had to necessarily, but then even those that are thinking creatively, given the set of circumstances that they have been dealt, uh, I applaud them as well. I hope you enjoyed our discussion on tonight talking about the state of emergency town hall that uh, rap mogul P. Diddy conducted on Thursday of this past week. Again, you can go back to our Thinking Out Loud Facebook fan page to watch that video. We encourage you to do so, as well as our discussion on uh, Bernie Sanders dropping out of the race and Vice President Biden, former Vice President Biden, becoming the presumptive Democratic nominee. And what are the implications of that? And finally, talking about how Easter services, Passion Week services were conducted in light of the fact that we could not gather in person during this COVID-19 crisis. I hope you enjoyed our discussion on tonight. We're ready to take our last break of the night, but when we come back, we're going to give you our thought of the week. You don't want to go anywhere, guys. You're tuned in to one of the hottest radio shows online. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. I know times are tough. We have a lot going on right now. This is uncharted territory. But remember, God is still in control. I'm radio host Michael Nemes with a word of encouragement just for you. We're going to get through this together. Let's remember those who are on the front lines tackling this virus head on. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. You are the real heroes. And to those who have lost loved ones because of the virus, We are still yet praying for you. Those who tested positive for the virus, this is not your end. You are going to get through this. We are going to get through this. Let's do what we can to stay positive, stay connected, stay home, stay healthy, and most importantly, stay safe.
0: An important message from the Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. touch that dial. it's
2: the thinking out loud radio show we'll be right back this is michael eric dyson and when i'm in detroit i listen to the thinking out loud radio show dropping that knowledge giving that inspiration giving us that enlightenment nobody does it like brother michael does it do your
8: thing <laughs> holla peace
0: Thinking Out Loud radio show giving voice to issues that matter to you. Author and speaker Dr. Eddie Connor. I, I was reading something the other day and
2: it's it's interesting. Uh, it's been 50 years since uh, Dr. King was killed. 50 years later they're still killing kings. You know, uh, to, to really speak truth to power but also to, to speak to our young men about uh, police brutality, but also the whole spectrum that, in many cases, they live in the crosshairs of society. We can give them all the the tips, tools, and things of the trade of how to govern yourself accordingly, but we see young men all across America, and we, you know, uh, in many cases, we just become desensitized to a young man who is shot and killed because the police were threatened by the fact that he pulled something out of his pocket and it was a phone. Well,
0: they thought it was a gun. Practitioner and spokesperson, Dr. Victoria Dooley. I do feel strongly that as African
1: American community and the church, we need to take mental illness more seriously, and we need to make it okay for somebody to seek out health care for mental health issues other than prayer. Absolutely, 100%.
0: Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, Rochelle Riley. Uh, I I
1: can tell you, and before we leave uh, Ali, let me tell you that it wasn't just an interview with him, but my very first column called for the city of Louisville to have a museum for him because at that time there was nothing bearing his name except a little strip of street, you know, how it works in some cities where Martin Luther King Boulevard is in a part of town, but in the rest of the town it's named something else. That column ran and the mayor and other folks who knew better and who were embarrassed by it said okay it's time and that helped lead to this effort that had been going on for some time to raise $80 million to build the Muhammad Ali Center which now exists on the banks of the Ohio River.
0: We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show.
3: It's time time, 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 for the thinking out loud radio show, Star, Daw, of the Week. Just this past weekend, we celebrated as a religious community, Passion Week, which is the most sacred and revered time period on the Christian calendar. It is the time frame marking the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem, all the way through to his crucifixion, his death, burial, and resurrection. All of this took place in the span of just one week. And the miraculous part of that week is not just the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, even though that was quite miraculous in and of itself, but the fate of mankind was completely changed and transformed in that short time span as well. And what seemed to have taken a lifetime to experience, the fate of the entire world rested on what took place that third day morning at the tomb of Jesus. And we are forever grateful for the life-changing miracle that took place there, because we now have been rejoined with our Father, our Creator, our Savior, and our Redeemer. Resurrection Sunday is not just a commemoration of what was, but of what can be. What Jesus did on that third day in that cemetery not only spiritually redeemed mankind back to himself, but it also symbolically changed the entire trajectory of mankind as well. Inasmuch as much as his resurrection revealed to all of us that no matter how bad your situation or circumstance might be, there's always hope for recovery. There's always hope of a resurrection. One thing that Jesus never promised us is that life would be easy or that life would be a flowery bed of ease. But he did promise us that he would never leave us and that he would never forsake us and that he would be with us even until the end of the world. His resurrection is a symbol for us, not just as Christians, but as a humanity that we can and we will rise again. Jesus was indeed the only one uniquely qualified to give mankind that kind of experience. He was indeed the only one that could bear the weight of mankind on his shoulders and not just die for our sins, but indeed rise again. What we celebrate as Christians on Resurrection Sunday is not a conspiracy theory or a fairy tale of sorts, but a reality that has ultimately changed the way we see ourselves and our future. And Jesus Christ was the only one that was qualified, the only one that contained the capacity to not just die, but to rise again. And because of what he did, there is hope for all of us. Because of what he did, we have a hope for a better tomorrow. Because of what he did, we have hope for a brighter future. An empty tomb is evidence that our Savior indeed lives. He wasn't stolen away as some would try to suggest, but on that third day morning there was an earthquake in that cemetery. An angel appeared and rolled that massive stone away, and Jesus our Savior walked out of that tomb and triumphantly declared that all power in heaven and earth is in my hands. Death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? He now embodies the resiliency of resurrection within himself. This is why we as his children can truly declare that we will rise again. We will rise again from all of this. We had to encounter the darkness of death in order to experience the resiliency of resurrection. No, death is not a welcome chapter in anyone's life story. Death is not something that any of us look forward to. But because of what Jesus did. We no longer have to fear the consequence of death because we can now rise again. And, rise up, rise like the day. and I'm not just speaking literally or even metaphorically, but I'm speaking symbolically. All of us now have hope that transcends our present day circumstances and situations. We no longer have to live in fear of what might happen because our faith rests in one who overcame death. Our faith rests in one who conquered death, hell, and the grave. And because of what he did, there is no problem too big, no circumstance too great, no situation too complex for God to ultimately deliver us from. We don't have to be overcome with worry or doubt. We don't have to become so overwhelmed with the reality of the coronavirus that we lose sight of the one who's greater than any virus, any disease, or anything that might ever come our way. We can and we will rise up. It is not our end, but this is just the beginning. We'll rise up because he already rose. We'll rise up because he yet lives will rise up because he was, is, and will forever be our hope for tomorrow, our hope for the future, and our hope for eternity. show for tonight. We thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We hope you enjoyed the show. Again, our discussions of uh, the town hall, uh, state of emergency town hall put together by rap mogul P. Diddy. Again, you can find that link on our Thinking Out Loud Facebook fan page. Hope you get a chance to watch the full video as well as talking about Vice President uh, Joe Biden becoming the presumptive Democratic nominee and what that means. For us moving forward And finally talking about uh, The uh, Easter week And uh, Passion week And how churches around the world Have uh, adapted to what is called The new normal Having virtual services You and I both uh, participated in Virtually uh, from our televisions And through social media uh, During uh, this Passion week uh, Just a few days ago But again we thank you so much For taking time out of your schedule to uh, listen to this podcast. Remember, uh, you can uh, listen to us on all of major podcasting networks, including our website, michaelnemons.com. We encourage you to stop by and check out what we have going on. We've got a couple books available our book, Who Told You That You Were Naked, as well as our newest book, Vision. Great books uh, that you can certainly uh, read during this time of quarantine, and I'm sure they're going to bless you. They're available everywhere books are sold online you can also go to our website michaelnemis.com and purchase your copy today feel free again to uh, leave your comments about tonight's show on all of our social media platforms, on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Add us on Twitter and Instagram at TOL Radio Host MSN or at TOL Radio Show. We would love to hear from you or send us an email at contact at michaelnemmons.com or go to our website and leave us a comment right from our Thinking Out Loud official show page Uh, we would love to hear from you remember to rate review and subscribe to the thinking out loud radio show your support helps us to increase our exposure across the world wide web well again thank you for tuning in to tonight's show remember to tune in next week we're going to have a brand new show in store for you And so until next time, always remember, if you can think it, you can believe it. If you can believe it, you can see it. If you can see it, you can be it. If you can be it, you can achieve it. The power rests within you. The mind's the most powerful muscle in your body. Use what you got to get what you want. The power is in you. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thanks for listening.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. To get more info about the show and the ministry, visit michaelnemmons.com. Want to book radio host Michael Nemmons for your next special event? Send an email to contact at michaelnemmons.com. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 p.m. for the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you.